0: Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. The music is dead. Long live the music. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. My name is Kyle Hawk. I am here with senior editor Kyle Schultz. Kyle, how are you doing?
1: good. How are you, friend?
0: Not too bad. And, uh, you know, if you listen to our podcast, you know the deal by now. Uh, We run a website called itsalldead.com where we talk about music and then we do this podcast and we talk about music some more. And last year, when we started all this, uh, the very I think it was the very first podcast we did uh, was on albums that had turned ten uh, that year. So in two thousand three, we talked about some of our favorite albums that were turning ten, and so we decided to do our second annual albums turning ten podcast. And so uh, today we're we're zoning in on some of our favorite albums that came out in two thousand four and talking about them. And, and we were just talking as uh, before we started this about how many great, great albums came out in 2004. It's kind of crazy when you think about it.
1: Yeah, I was just growing through and there's a lot of legendary ones that I honestly forgot I even listened to for a long time. It, it's, it's only one of the years where just so many albums come out. It's almost impossible to just go through it all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we started off this year. um, If you follow us on the site, you'll know that we've been doing some reflections. We've been writing these big feature pieces, each of us on some of our favorite albums that turned 10 this year. And I I had in my mind, I I remember like in January, I sent you this massive list of albums I wanted to get through and we're nowhere near even touching all of them. And we probably won't like 2004 was like some sort of crazy year uh, for like the, you know, the pop punk, emo screamo whatever scene uh where there's just like a ridiculous amount of like really great albums and so um for this podcast again we're not going to talk about all of them so if we miss your favorite album you know sorry uh we didn't mean to do that but we're just going to talk about some of the best ones and I, i guess the the best place to start for our purposes here is with an album that i know both of us love um, and it's actually my favorite album, and I, I wrote the uh, re- the reflection on it for It's All Dead when it, uh, on its anniversary back in June. Uh, it's My Chemical Romance, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. So let's go ahead and start right here. This is an album that uh, there's a lot to say about it, so why don't you start off, start us off by, I guess, telling us your your thoughts about it here uh, 10 years after the fact. Um, Three Cheers
1: is still one of my all-time favorite albums. It's Michael Chemical Romance has a great catalog, but you can honestly talk me into any of their albums being the best one mm. uh, at any given moment, really. But Three Cheers was something that came out of absolutely nowhere and knocked me on my ass when I first heard it. And the fact that they got as big as they did, because this album still blows my mind considering just like the genre and how hard it is and then how they just rose to the top of everything. Yeah. And uh I don't know where they came from, to be completely honest with you. I'd never heard of them before this. And actually, the way I found out about them is I was in high school sitting in a, a class, and I saw one kid in the back of the room wearing the shirt that has the two uh, characters about ready to kiss. Oh, and yeah. I just stared at it. I was like, that's really cool artwork. And I looked it up, and I found them that night, and it blew my mind how good it was. Yeah. It's just how hard the guitars are, the melodies – and then Gerard Way just gave an electric performance. I, there's still nothing out there like it.
0: Yeah. The, man, I'm, I can already tell we got to be careful or we could just do a full podcast on this album now that we've <laughs> started talking about it. But it's it's literally yeah, one of those awesome. albums. It's so infectious that you remember that first time you hear it. You know, like I, I remember, I, w- I was writing with uh, my friend Mitch, who were in college, who were coming back from Oklahoma City. He put it in, and I immediately was like, "Who is this?" Like, the Gerard's voice is completely unique, um, and there's just like this burning, seething anger and and fear, and all these different things coming through on this album. That's a story about so many different things. It's just the the whole thing just is like this whirlwind of like craziness. Um, and I know all the people out there that kind of like want to rag on the scene. Will hear us talk about this album and be like, "Oh, you know, these guys talking about My Chemical Romance." Look, say what you want. Uh, this is a great album. Howard Benson produced it. Um, he's been one of the best producers in the world. If you're talking about a guy that's able to take bands, take artists, and just like explode them, um, you know, yeah, I hadn't heard about My Chem either before this album, but pretty much everybody had heard about them after this album came out. My my favorite story to tell about it, and one that I wrote about in the article, is that I went to see them after I heard that CD. I got this, I got my own copy of the CD, and I went to go see them play in Oklahoma City. And they played at the Green Door, which was a sort of a bar slash venue place in downtown Oklahoma City, uh, where a lot of bands like that came through, not big at all. And I went to see them. I, I'm pretty. I mean, it was it was a wild show. I was just excited to see them. They were dressed up in like the you know the black suits and red ties and stuff. Um, they were. Gerard was in full makeup. But anyway, in between bands that night, I went outside to stand outside and uh, a guy walked around the corner leaned on the wall next to me and started smoking a cigarette. And I looked over and it was Gerard Way. And I recognized him from the CDs and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I didn't know what to say. So I just kind of stood there and didn't speak. And he didn't speak either. He just smoked a cigarette. And then he, you know, (laughs) put it out and he looked over at me and gave me a nod and walked back around the corner. I was like, oh my gosh, that was so cool. And literally (laughs) a month later, they were on TRL and it was like game over and I'll never forget that because it's like never again was Gerard way. Just going to like randomly be standing next to a stranger somewhere, smoking a cigarette and not getting bombarded. You know what I mean? Like it was just one of those yeah. like surreal moments that I look back on. I'm like, wow, that is just so crazy about how fast they exploded.
1: Yeah. The only thing I really don't remember is uh, if I'm not okay or Helena was their first big single. Cause I remember Helena exploded and that's what really kind of, put them in everyone's mind because of the music video
0: yeah Uh, Yeah, they have
1: you know the dancing uh ballerina and stuff like that and they're it's the band members carrying a casket down while gerard is singing and the song sounds like nothing else on the album and uh that's my first real memory of seeing them just explode on television just everyone was obsessed with the music video and uh like some award show i don't remember what it was because i am terrible and uh, they were playing the song like at the rewards show and they had the ballerina on stage dancing and that just amped
0: it up that much more. Yeah. No, that's a, that's an absolutely classic music video. I, I love music videos. I used to have a blog where I just um talked about music videos. Nerd. Kind of dissected. Yeah, I know. Yep. It's true. <laughs> so like all, there's actually three music videos for that. Um, All of them are great. All of them were done by Mark Webb, who uh, went on to do 500 days of summer and now is doing the amazing Spider-Man uh, series for Sony. Um, but he kind of got to start doing music videos and he just like killed on all of them. The ghost of you is another, like just incredible, incredible oh, yeah. music video. Um, there's, there's the, and the thing about it is there's so much imagery that can be used from that album to paint kind of these beautiful pictures. And I think that's kind of what makes it so, uh, so perfect to kind of be displayed in that format. Um, so real quick, uh, what's your favorite song from the album?
1: Um, I honestly have to say, I think it's, you know what they do to people like us.
0: Mm, yep. Yep. Yeah. That's a good,
1: for one. guys like us in prison. There's right. many words in it.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those 2004 song titles for sure. Um, yeah. Those bastards. <laughs> that is a great song. I, it's hard for me. But if I, th- I think if I had to pick one I'd pick uh to the end which is a song that you never hear about like people never yeah. talk about it for whatever reason but that that song is incredible and the chorus is like just every time I hear it I just get goosebumps so that's mine um I will say that of all the albums we're going to talk about to me this one may hold up the best 10 years later like if this album came out today I would pick it up and be in love with it in a heartbeat it would not phase me a bit um oh, no. So. Um and it obviously was a gateway for that band and, and not only changed, you know, the, the career trajectory of my chemical romance, but really the scene as a whole, I feel like changed after they blew up. So um that's a big one. Uh so we're gonna move on now. Um I'll talk about one of your favorites. Um and this will be an interesting conversation. Uh first I knew I knew you would. I knew it was the first time you'd mention Green Day American Idiot.
1: Uh no, this is Hands down, one of my all time favorite albums, and I get shit for it all the time. Uh, I don't know why. It's it's honestly, I feel like it's a classic punk album. It's everything a punk album should be. It's loud, it's hard. Uh, the lyrics are amazing. It's a complete departure from anything Green Day had done before this. And uh, it tells a story from start to end. Each song is very distinct. Uh, the entire album is one large single. It's impossible to pick off, you know, just one track off there that you have to be in love with. Like, everything's amazing about it. Uh, And it's one of the few times I can really think of in a a band's history where in 1994 they put out Dookie, which not only launched their careers, it really launched the punk movement into mainstream. And even though Green Day's success kind of died down, they put out American Idiot and they did the exact same thing again. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know if any other bands that have ever been able to do that where they ride the wave of success twice and lead the charge.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's it's something that cannot be denied about this band and this album specifically. I want to go back uh, because right when you started talking about it, one of the first things you said is that so many people give you shit for this. That surprises me. I feel like most people like that album. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but but why do you think that is? That uh, Well, the
1: thing... What I've noticed is a lot of people get really angry about this album because they hate the political nature of it, Mm. and what they like about the original ones is there's no politics. It's just like oh, masturbation, yay,
0: drugs.
1: (laughs) And with this one, they really changed everything they did, and they put the politics ahead, which is, you know, it's a big departure, but it's also what was at the forefront at the time. Like, two thousand four was the middle of the Iraq War. Everyone is mad about everything, and putting the political nature with it just kind of rallied everything that I felt anyway was really uh, weighing down on everyone at the time. And most people I talk to just get upset because they won't listen to anything after Warning, which is the CD right before this. Yeah, And uh, even some of my friends, they'll listen to American Idiot, but they haven't listened to anything that came after it. So it's a weird middle ground where it's – On one hand, the single best album they've ever put out. And on the other hand, it's a wall that no one else will cross.
0: Yeah, there's, you're right. I I agree with pretty much everything you said there. I was a huge fan of Dookie back in the day. There was something about American Idiot that rubbed me the wrong way when it came out. And I think, and it's not that I disagreed with any of Green Day's politics, but there was something about that album and the way it was presented that rubbed me the wrong way and just made me be like, eh. So I kind of dismissed it for a while. And maybe other people had that same response. But um, the interesting thing is that this album became what it became. Like I don't I, – like just huge arena rock tours – you know, they've done musical, like Broadway musicals from it. It it kind of like took on a life of its own and like ballooned like past the point of it even being a Green Day thing. There's just mm. that album, American Idiot, being an entity in and of itself, which is really weird. I think it's, you know, we just talked about Kimo Romance. I think they came close to that with the Black Parade, but I don't really think there's been anything like American Idiot since that album. No, not at all. So... What are, what were your thoughts, I guess, as that was happening? I mean, I don't think it was right away. American idiot came out and I feel like people took a year to kind of process it. And then it kind of became this mammoth thing or something.
1: Well, I have a weird relationship with it just for the fact that I had never really listened to green day before this. So it also holds the fact that it's my first real experience with the band. And I don't know why I'd never listened to them. They just never got into my rotation. So when it came out in 2004, uh, I never really picked up. I had seen like the American Idiot music video and I loved the songs, but I just never really invested in the band. And uh it wasn't until probably really early two thousand five I actually listened to it for the first time and it just stomped the ever living shit out of me. And I can honestly say I put it in my CD player probably in February and it did not leave until the next year. Mm-hmm. Nothing else happened. It was just once I listened to it there was nothing else I could do. It's just, I was just amazed every single listen at just how good the album was.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably kind of how it went. You were either like obsessed with this album or you were kind of keeping your distance from it until you could see like what it was about and what was actually going on. It's a, it's a very, very unique uh, album um, in the way that it was received. Um, And there's no doubt about it. Green day is one of the most culturally relevant bands of our generation um you know two decades in a row they put out something completely different uh, that kind of reinvented the band and uh, kept them alive they put out some crap over the years and then they've put out some stuff that'll that's going to last for a long time uh real quickly favorite song on american idiot uh it's actually
1: split in terms of epicness there's nothing that can beat jesus of suburbia there just isn't yeah, but overall there's a song called letter bomb, yeah, which I don't think it's a, enough. Uh,
0: so pretty much nobody at this point is going to say "Waking up when September ends because it's we, <laughs> <that never laughs> it was, I think it's like 2005. That's the only song that got played on the radio. Um, <laughs> but I <think> uh, so. <laughs> my favorite song, uh, maybe it's cop out. I don't know. I like Boulevard of broken dreams. I think it's a great song. Um, and it's uh, my favorite on there. So that's American idiot. Uh, we'll move on now to, uh, we're going to do some more individualized ones. Um, the another uh, album I wrote about and it's an album from my favorite band and the band that got me in or the album that got me into that band it's under oath they're only chasing safety and this is another album that uh, I you know a friend played for me and I immediately fell in love with it bought it the day it came out and it was the first heavy album as far as like any metal infused album uh, that I've ever bought and that it took me some time to get into it like the the screaming um took me a while to get used to um but i did and under oath ended up becoming my favorite band of all time so um interesting things about this album uh first album to feature uh, the lead vocalist spencer chamberlain first album to uh feature aaron gillespie the drummer prominently on vocals and uh it's a very very poppy album like it's heavy in the sense that you know spencer's screaming but uh it's almost a has a pop punk feel to it and that there's it's very chorus heavy uh it's a summer album for sure and uh absolutely you know another album that just exploded the band itself like under oath when went on to write some of the greatest albums uh i think you know post hardcore scene with uh, define the great line and lost in the sound of separation uh but they're not able to make those albums unless this happens um and I think one of the things about this album for me, I I saw that, you know, I fell in love with the the album, went to go see the band live, and it was one of the most amazing life experiences I've ever had because it was right at that point where they were reaching that, you know, that that critical mass. And it was a sold out show, a club in Tulsa, Oklahoma, people were packed in. And people just went nuts. Like it was one of those shows. Like you don't I feel like I don't go to those shows anymore. Or, you know, or maybe it's because I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those where just the the environment just felt alive. Like people were like bouncing off the walls, going batshit crazy. Um, and it was just an amazing experience. Um and I know your your experience with this album is pretty limited, is that correct? Yeah, I've
1: only listened to it a couple of times. Uh mostly in passing, I've yet to really like sit down and just get into it
0: yeah you you did this last year with seo translating the name and uh you know th- these are some moms you really need to sit down with kyle and uh you know just just spend some time with them get to know them a little bit okay
1: i'm so sorry didn't uh, mean to ruin anyone's day
0: <laughs> that's okay so yeah they're only chasing safety if you want to hear more about that uh um you can go to it's all dead um and check out our our 10-year reflection on it um now let's move on uh with one of yours uh another Hold on real quick you What's oh, your favorite oh, song in oh, on that oh, one? Oh, oh, my favorite song on The Only Chasing Safety. Man, gosh darn, Kyle, it's hard, dude. It's it's really hard. Um I, this is one of those albums I listen to from front to back. I put it on and just listen to it straight through. If I had to pick one, probably I'm not uh I'm not very receptive today, I think is what it's called. This is another like every song <laughs> title is a sentence. <laughs> Uh, I think, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's it's track eight. Um, and there's actually no singing on it. It's like the one, like a really effing heavy song on this album. Um, but it's just, man, it hits me hard. Like every time it's just, uh, it's really powerful. Um, and, uh, really kind of, I think kind of brings out the best of what was to come from under oath. So, so yeah, that's that. Um, so let's go ahead and bounce ahead, uh, to newfound glory's catalyst. This is one of uh, the albums on your list.
1: Yeah, um, New Found Glory, I just desperately wait for every new album they come out with. And uh, when Catalyst came out, it was uh, really the height of their popularity because they just put out the self-titled and uh, Sticks and Stones, which had both just launched their career off. And uh, Catalyst was a weird one because it really got a lot of major play with uh, the lead single, All Downhill, Ah, oh, fuck me! Uh, all downhill from here, <laughs> and uh, you know they're on uh, the video is on television all the time, and it was really doing well. But and then right now, I think looking back on it, it's a lot of people's favorite album. But when it yeah. came out, I had a it was a weird uh, moment because it was just slightly off from the rest of the CDs they put out, and I couldn't yeah. quite put my finger on what it was at the time. And uh it currently has like a lot of their best songs and singles on it, but it is the last kind of classic Newfound Glory album that ever came out.
0: Yeah. You, you know it's interesting. This this album is always a wild card to me, and we're gonna talk about another album very similar to this, in which it kinda I feel like it has a divide like a there's a division between people who love it and are gonna proclaim it and people are like, eh, no, I can do without it. Huge Newfound Glory fan, but no thanks. Um, and it is it's a very very unique and interesting follow-up for a band that just just blew up and it's it's always been hard for me to put my finger on it exactly it's a little more polished uh, it feels a little more I guess mature in a sense that maybe some of the songwriting is just uh, not as predictable I, I don't know uh, it, am i right there is there something just there's just a twinge of difference
1: yeah it's a uh, I think what I've come to think of it is, is there's a bit more maturity with the songwriting. They do a bit more experimentation. Um, the last few albums had just been nonstop, just heavy, uh, pop. And this one, they take their time and really just kind of play with the songs a bit more. And there's a bit more acoustic to it. There's uh one or two songs that they add in a keyboard. And it was just one of those things when you listen to it for the first time, you're not expecting it. You just sit there going, "What is happening?" And it's not that the songs are bad or anything like that. It's just it's just different from everything they put out uh, prior to this. So it was just a weird, I'm not used to it that yeah. I, I, you just couldn't really kick for a while.
0: Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Um, it also has some really weird, creepy album artwork that uh, I immediately can see in my head whenever I hear this album talked about. That has nothing to do with any of this, but that was a thing. <laughs> um, so here's a question for you. Where does this album fall for you overall, you know, where would you rank it amongst Newfound Glory's catalog?
1: Um, honestly probably third. Yeah, most likely third. Behind? Uh Sticks and Stones is my favorite and then Not Without a Fight is the second one I'd say.
0: Okay, interesting. And your favorite song on Catalyst?
1: On Catalyst, it it has to be All Downhill From Here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree just,
1: with you. It's too good of a song.
0: Yeah, it's a cop out, but it's the truth. Um, so, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> kind of is what it is. And of course, newfound glory has a new album coming out later this year. Uh, actually, not too long from now. So that'll be interesting to see where they go. Newfound glory is still kicking. Uh, so yeah, I've I, you know Green Day still together. I was getting ready to say they're the only band that we've talked about so far that still is, but uh, but they are <laughs> they are still trucking. So um and so is the next band um and they actually just announced their 10 year anniversary tour for this album and i am going to it and i am really excited uh it's reliant k mm-hmm. and uh i know you had a, a little bit of uh, experience with this album when it came out for me it's an album i still listen to i listened to it when it came out it's the album that won me over to reliant k um i was i was aware of them <clears throat> I, I think for a lot of people this is the album that, you know, they had the big single, Be My Escape, and kind of got big. Um, but I, you know, if you were kind of growing up in the youth group world, you knew about Reliant Kegs. They would put out these really cheesy, corny, Christian pop-punk albums. Uh, it was definitely not my thing. Uh, I just, I never really got into it that much. But when this album came out, like, the songwriting took a leap. Um, the, I mean, there was still, you know, a twinge of the goofiness at times, but... Uh, Matt Tyson as a songwriter like absolutely crushed it on this album. Like I I listen to it now and I'm still some of the lyrics um and his wordplay and and the way he puts it all together just kind of blows my mind. And that's on top of the fact that it is just pure unadulterated pop punk. Like um I think when I when I think of pop punk, some of the albums that pop into my head, Yellow Card Ocean Avenue turned 10 last year, and then this one. Um it, it comes straight to my mind when I think about what what uh, 2000s pop punk sounds like Um, what was your experience with the album when it came out
1: um it was just kind of passed me by one of my friends and it was one of those things that i'd listened to it in a car a lot and uh it was just it was really just happy music and it was uh, weird from everything i listened to because you know it was uh all these other songs are coming out it's all just kind of heavier material. It's all depressing. And Reliant K was just so happy. It was just one of those things you didn't quite know how to deal with it. Cause it's like, but, but I want to be sad.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is true. There's a, there's a lot of uh, good feelings. I mean, they've got a song on there called uh, high of 75 talking about a, a great sunny day outside. <laughs> like, you know, it's hard <laughs> to listen to it and not feel like not be in a good mood. Like they, they definitely kind of pulled that off to perfection. Um, I'm really excited to to see the album performed on this 10-year anniversary tour. Uh, that's the thing that a lot of bands are doing now, and um, it's one that I was hoping for, and, it, and it's one that I'm going to get to see. Um, I I, uh, I would encourage anyone out there um, that hasn't you know revisited this album in a while to check it out, because I still feel like it holds up really well. Relent case put out some good albums since then. This was the album that kind of launched them, I feel like, in the right direction. Um, but mm-hmm. for me, this is kind of the one that still stands the test of time, the, the one that I keep going back to and uh really finds uh um a lot of uh joy in i guess um do you uh do you happen to have a favorite song from that album um
1: honestly I think it's high as seventy five uh one of one of the other things about this album was I put up a lot of resistance going into it because I had listened to their kind of cheesy christian right. rock albums before that and they they were decent but it just wasn't really my thing and uh this album was pushing me for a few months. I just kind of resisted. Cause I'm like, I I know what I'm getting into. And I had no idea.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I think this album really won them over to like the rest of the audience in the scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this, this is the album that kind of got them the respect uh, uh, from everyone, like bands and fans alike. So I think it was really good for them to have, have put this out. Uh my favorite song is probably who I am hates who I've been um really catchy chorus, another fun music video that I still remember so yeah uh, I don't know I don't know um <laughs> and plus they they call their album mm-hmm like you can't even like you have to say it with your mouth closed that's pretty awesome um definitely unique um Okay, enough of that. Let's move on to another album that we we've talked about on a podcast before, but uh, we're going to bring it up here and, and discuss it again briefly. "Say Anything" is a real boy. Kyle, take it away.
1: You know, it's there is nothing to be said except this is a legendary album. It it honestly really came out of nowhere because no one had really heard of "Say Anything" before this. Uh, you know, Max Bemis had just been putting out demo tape after demo tape and. Uh, he put out his baseball album, and they're good, but they just they didn't really catch on. And Israel Boy came out and just drop kicked everyone that heard it. Yeah. It it took Max Bemis from being really a just a college kid into just I don't know, just kind of a tall tale within the scene. Is just yeah. it almost seemed impossible that an album could be this uh, good, this unique, and th- this insightful
0: yeah you're absolutely right max bemis became a legend after this album became released that is i mean it's crazy to think about like what uh what he's become and a lot of it comes back to this album being released like overnight a nobody into like this guy you know what i mean well here's uh... how good this
1: album is sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you uh this album is so good that since then you know every album he puts out he's put out after this just all of his fans just constantly go, was this good? I don't know if I liked it. Yeah, it was okay. But every single one of them still listens to his music because of this album.
0: Yeah. Oh, no question. That's, that's a great point is that, um, say anything has maintained their fan base from this album, even though people may hate what they put out now, those same people like that's incredible. And that speaks a lot to this album. And so we just talked about an album that was one of the happiest albums of the year from this like Christian pop punk band to one of like the most depressing, dark, (laughs) twisted, nihilistic albums you will ever hear in your life. Like it's like the, it's the complete opposite. And like in the most amazing, like unnerving, unsettling way.
1: Well, it's, it's weird because it's uh, so strong in that aspect. Like it, it, it seems like a classic rock album where, you know, uh, like a Jimi Hendrix where it's just uh, heroined out and it's just amazing. And then there's this and it is almost the same vibe where it's just, it's perfect. And it's because of, uh, you know, he was struggling with bipolar disorder and really Mm -hmm. fighting with that. But it gave something beautiful.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's, it, it should be said like, you know, for all the sad music and whatever, Oh, my girlfriend broke up with me that, you know, comes out of the scene. This is an honest album from a guy that was like literally having meltdowns and breakdowns and had to be in, you know, institutionalized like this. This is a very authentic story and there's nothing contrived here. Um, and I think that's, that's a really important part of this album's legend as well. Um. But Yeah. um, So, and we've talked before about, you know, where this led and obviously, uh, you know, it's, it's that kind of weird, I don't know what to call it, that dichotomy of Max Bemis then versus Max Bemis now. You know, if you're a human being, you are much happier for Max Bemis now. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's healthy. He has a, you know, a wife and a kid and another kid on the way. Um, He's still making music he could never write this album again. And that's a good thing. You know what I mean? Like, even though we would want to feel the way we felt when that album came out, we don't want that, you know? It's such a weird, uh, strange thing. Um, well, see, the interesting thing with that, though, is he
1: almost did write this album again. Uh, when Hebrews came out, it's he basically relaunched himself and reinvigorated, it, and it doesn't have the same following, and it hasn't been grasped so much. But listening to uh to Hebrews, it's almost the same thing. It's just it's so raw, it's dynamic, it's different, and it's sincerely honest and fairly twisted when you really look into it. But it is a way happier album than Is a Real Boy.
0: Yeah, I guess it's the kind of the opposite. If if okay, so if Max Bemis were to create Is a Real Boy today, Hebrews is probably as close as it's gonna come. And by that we mean you know no guitars, angry dad. You know, like all these like <laughs> crazy things that like only Max Bemis could get away with and he totally pulls it off. Um, and I, I do Thanks. like Hebrews. I, I loved your review of it, by the way. If you're listening, uh, you should check oh, out how that album. It's, it's really good. Um, so Is yeah, A Real it's Boy... A, yeah. Go it's ahead.
1: not as dark as Is A Real Boy, but it's the same type of just sincerity.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's a good point. Um, favorite song on Is A Real Boy?
1: Uh, it's got to be probably... Admit it, I want to say.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of people's favorites. I, gosh, oh man, I I want to say that now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. It kind of depends on the mood I'm in too. Um, it's such a weird oh, album. It's now that I've said it, it's a weird album to pick a favorite song from. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I'll go with Admit it too. Sorry,
1: Alive with the Glory
0: of Love is probably a oh, close yeah. second. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so yeah, Israel Boy maybe. Well, gosh, I don't know. This is tough. It's one of maybe the most important album to come out in 2004. Um, It's definitely in the conversation. Um, So now moving on to another album that is, you know, you could pull, you know, 100 people and get 100 different answers about how they feel about this. Taking Back Sunday, Where You Want to Be. And uh, this is one of the ones uh, that I want to talk about. Um, It's an album that I love. Uh, It's an album that some people hate. Um, and the pe- there's people that hate it and make no bones about the fact that they hate this album and they view it as the <laughs> the point that taking back Sunday went to hell. Um, which, you know, it was only their second album. Here's the problem though. Um, people have an inflate. I look, I'm about to say something blasphemous. I'm about to be kicked out of the, oh, no. the, uh, community, the, you know, the punk community now. But <laughs> the point is, I love tell all your friends, incredible album, extremely important. Um, it, You know, if it didn't happen the way it did, you know, who knows what what things would look like right now. But people hold it on too high of a pedestal, like they hold it on a pedestal that blinds them from seeing anything else. And I I'll agree that Taking Back Sunday has put out some crappy albums. Uh, New Again was not good, but Where You Want to Be is a really freaking good album. And especially when you consider they lost John Nolan, uh, they had that almost breakup, um, brought in completely new people. Fred Mascherino came in where you want to be is a really freaking good follow-up to tell all your friends. That's just my opinion. I
1: agree. Uh, when it came out, I was initially disappointed with it. I was very cherry picky with the songs on it, but over the years it's become one of my favorites. Like I honestly enjoy it more than "Tell all your friends for the whole
0: me too. (laughs) I feel like we're not supposed to say that, but I don't care. I do. I like it more. Um, well,
1: now that we got that secret out of the way, what should we go on to next? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I know everything about you. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> no, Where You Want to Be, um, it's it does have its flaws. I think for as big as uh, Tell All Your Friends was, and that album was huge, uh, the production quality for Where You Want to Be is not that good. Um, they, <laughs> It doesn't feel like for as big as they were that it, that it could have sounded better. But, you know, I think that's part of the album's lore now um, It's kind of that... that uh, that sort of raw feeling that it has. Um, but there's so many great songs. I feel like, you know, there are moments like tell, All tell all your friends has some great songs on it, but the songwriting is kind of iffy at times. It's, it's pretty juvenile um, where you want to be. I feel like Adam really hit his stride as a lyricist. Like when I hear that, I'm like, wow, like this is a huge leap um, from tell all your friends. I don't know.
1: No, definitely. It's much more structured. There's a lot more uh, depth to it and it, has way more powerful uh singles to it than tell All your friends did uh tell Your yeah. friends had some good songs and it was very just i don't even know how to describe it not really raw but it felt very happenstance like it was cut together and the songs were good they're decent but there was something about that just kind of drew you to it and uh where you want to be just it really cemented good songwriting
0: yeah i agree uh where are you or where you wanna be definitely um you know launch them towards the, the direction that they went, which I'm totally fine with by the way. I love Louder Now. I think it's a great album. Um oh, yeah, that's can, my favorite can, one. Yeah. Oh really? So that's your favorite Taking Back Sunday album? Yeah. That's interesting. We may have to do a podcast where we rank the Taking Back Sunday albums. I feel like that's a that's a worthy thing to do at this point. Um <laughs> Yeah, I gosh, I wanna say Where You Wanna Be is my favorite Taking Back Sunday album. I I just really like it a lot. What's your favorite song on it?
1: It's honestly a decade under the influence. I, I'm i like that.
0: Yeah. You know, you could say anything you want, and I'd be cool with it because I think this album was a loaded front to back. Uh, 180 by Summer is my favorite. Um, that's the song. You know, Set Phasers to Stun, I love. I think it's a killer opener. Like, when I think of it Taking is, Back Sunday, really I remember hearing that song and being the first song on that album. Um, but uh, 180 by Summer is just a, a song that's really stuck with me through the years, and uh, I really like it a lot.
1: This does have one of the. I don't know if I still hate it as much but uh track number two bonus mosh part two
0: yeah. I
1: have never enjoyed that song and yeah. I don't know I don't know what it is and I can't tell you why but it's been ten years and I still skip over it like every time
0: now I'm wondering if Taking Back Sunday has a problem with track twos um I'm not a big fan of uh, bike scene or whatever the hell the second track on Tell All Your Friends is um I don't know. Maybe that's a maybe that's a problem for them. Did they have they had a good track number two? Uh it wasn't good see. on the self titled.
1: Ladder now had a good one. It's uh Liar, it takes one to no know Liar. One.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That's probably the best they've done though. So <laughs> you've got some room for improvement on track two's taking back Sunday. We're just telling you. Um okay, let's uh jump ahead. Uh, another one here as we near the end of our discussion. Jimmy World Futures. Take it away.
1: Um, Jimmy World, I want to say that they're way underrated, and I'm not entirely sure why, because they're extremely popular. I think it might just be because no one else I know listens to them, and I don't know why. Uh, Futures is, I think, hands down, their best album. Uh, You can say what you want about Bleed American, but Futures really just up the ante of everything that Bleed American had to give. Uh... That you know, it didn't get as much uh, airplay or anything like that. There, I don't think the singles were maybe heard as much, but I feel like it's way better songwriting, it's way better lyricism. Uh, the production's much better, and it's just a powerful album that starts off with a bang and then slowly but surely just kind of ends towards uh, a slow trickle of just soft acoustic melodies. And it's it's perfect.
0: You know, I'm gonna disagree with you here. Um, futures in my opinion is not in the discussion for the best jimmy Eat world album it's a good album no. uh, i love i love bleed american um i feel like they've put out uh, better albums than futures but here's the thing though here's the thing kyle mm-hmm. futures even though being like a middle of the pack kind of okay jimmy Eat world album is still good enough to be in our discussion right now the, about the best albums of 2004 you know what i mean like that's mm-hmm. jimmy Eat world's discography you know, like, it, <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, it's one of the best albums of that year, even though it wasn't the best Jimmy Eat World album, in my opinion. And, I, you know, and that's fine. If somebody says it's their favorite album, I don't have a problem with that. I just think it's it's a, a fair point to make. That I think there's a lot of people that maybe it's not their favorite album, but they still love it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Jimmy Eat World just has that ability. Um, and, you know, everybody wants to be a Jimmy Eat World fan, but not everybody is, you know. They're a band that's popular in, like, people's minds, but not like in like real life. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like extremely influential. People love to be like, oh yeah, I love Jimmy Eat World, you know, but don't own any of their albums. Um, they're that band, um, which is actually a really cool thing. Jimmy Eat World's going to live on for a long time. Like people are going to be talking about them. you know? Oh yeah. Um, so what is your favorite song on that album?
1: I, I'm i honestly going to say Night Drive.
0: Okay. Yeah, we talked before this. Uh, Pain is, is my favorite song on that album. I love it. To this day, I still love it. It's one of the songs I feel like I listened to a ton in high school. I remember hearing it on Smallville and be like, oh my gosh,
1: Jimmy World.
0: <laughs> um, because we saw the I, same episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, how much of a geek I am. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, great song. So yeah, that is Jimmy Eat World Futures. Um, and now we'll just take a couple minutes uh, and I want each of us to just name off, I, I don't know, name off like one or two albums that we didn't talk about in like a sentence or two each about them that you just want to feel like deserve to be mentioned here. All
1: right. Um, for me, one of the secret best ones is eight uh, Enders side project, I Can Make a Mess. Uh, he put this out. It's the first I Can Make a Mess album and he wouldn't put another one out for over six years, I want to say. And it was just a standalone album that it's the first CD that I can remember that wasn't uh, you know, a major band that it might just be because I'm in, from Indiana and they didn't order copies, but I went to four different stores and everyone sold out of it that I, oh, I had to ask the manager. And it blew me away because I couldn't believe that it would actually sell. But it's Ace Enders breaking away from uh, the tradition of The early november style of just crunchy not really punk but just you know rock melodies and emo and this was just a very quiet acoustic driven album that was very unlike him but it felt like it should be there and uh it was just a side project that just kind of did its thing and disappeared and now i can make a mess is almost as big as the early november in a lot of people's eyes
0: yeah that's a that's a good point um you have any others that you want to mention?
1: Uh, not at the moment. I'm scanning my list. <laughs>
0: okay. I'm going to burn off three of them real quick. Um, mm-hmm. One of them, uh, Kanye West, The College Dropout, uh, as you know, uh, some of the people that read our site know, I'm a uh, huge hip-hop fan. I'm not going to go into big detail on that album, um, but I, I did write a, a reflective feature for us on it. You can check that out. Extremely uh, incredible album. Uh, maybe the best hip-hop album of the past decade still. Um he is legend. I am Hollywood. Uh, it was a debut for that band, um, and they're getting ready to put out another album very soon. Uh, but I am Hollywood was heavy as crap and awesome. Just it's a chaotic ride uh, from front to back. Um, it's just kind of. I it took me a while to get into it because it is so chaotic and loud and crazy. Um, but now it's still an album I can put on and spin uh, from track one to track ten and love every single second of it. Um, they sound nothing like they did. Ten years ago, when they wrote that, they're a completely different band now. But uh, that's still probably my favorite sound of theirs. And uh, finally, uh, Showbread. No sir, nihilism is not practical. One of the weirdest albums you will ever hear in your life. Um, they are a screamo band with a guitar player, or at least they were back when they put that album out. And it is just like the weirdest, weirdest album that you will hear but I love it. Uh they have a song about Evil Dead 2. Like there's just all these crazy things about like horror movies and uh just weird stuff and it's uh there's something like really really interesting about it. Um another one that you know that band went on to put out a bunch of different music that was all very different but uh that first album for me uh was uh, definitely my uh favorite and what I consider the best. Did you ever listen to Showbread? No, I've never actually heard of them until this exact second. <laughs> well, i tell you, and if if you're the same as Kyle, um, get on YouTube after we finish this podcast and look up uh, "Showbread Mouth Like a Magazine. It's a music video, and it is one of the weirdest, strangest, most hilarious things you'll ever see in your life. It will tell you everything you need to know about that band. So um, <laughs> <laughs> check it out. So, yeah, that is it. Uh, that's uh, what we're going to do for now on our um, second annual uh, Albums Turning 10 podcast. It was pretty fun, wouldn't you say? Oh, quiet, quiet. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's going to wrap it up uh, for us for now. Um, so, uh, you know, until next time, check us out at com. We've got all kinds of content going up there every single day. Feel free to join in on the conversation and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and leave us a rating there and uh, let us know what you think. So, uh, Kyle, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir joining us. It's just me and you. I don't know why I said that. Um, Of course, it's Kyle and Kyle. You just listened to the official (laughs) It's All Dead podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Toodaloo. Thanks for listening to the official It's All Dead podcast. You can download our podcast at iTunes and find exclusive music news and content at www.itsalldead.com.